good person, out of the good treasure of their heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of their evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the overflow of the heart, their mouth speaks. What a great weekend here, Memorial Weekend. Thanks for being here uh, to be a part. If you are new with us, we want to take a moment and welcome you. There was a welcome video that popped up, and so you might have heard some of that. And, and really, all to say is if you're checking us out and trying to think, ah, just, you know, do I want to take another step and get involved in church? We'd love to help you do that. If you're going, ah, I'm not sure yet, that's totally cool as well. But in your programs, there's a connection card. You can fill that out. Of just taking some next steps. It might be involved with being involved in a small group, though our summer is a little different in our schedules. We have small group communities that meet throughout the week. You're wondering what we do during the week. That's what we do. We don't have a lot of programs. It's the people, people connecting with people. And so we have that as an opportunity also to serve not only in the church, but in the community. There's so many different ways we want to be for our community. Christ the King Community Church, community is in our middle name. And so we, we value that a lot. And then thirdly, I would say is this, is if you need some prayer, we're here to pray with you. In fact, we have a team every single week, people available in the front and even in the back uh, for prayer. But even throughout the week, if you have some prayer requests, there's people that pray for you as well. But being Memorial Weekend, we want to, we, we take time, don't we? Remember those who laid down their lives for us, the ultimate sacrifice. And, and so as we think about that, even at the end of our service here today, we're going to have a time of the one that, that laid down. We're going to remember through communion what Jesus did for us. So if you're online, we're glad to have you as well. And so you might want to be ready to have some crackers and juice or toast or coffee or something if you're watching on the stream live here on, on Sunday morning. But we've been doing a series, if you don't know, and you can look and there's notes in your program called Overflow. And the idea is this, is that we want to talk about living out of the abundance of God in a world of scarcity. And Last week I commented about this, the irony that we live in that I believe that the United States is the one still the, the biggest consumer of goods in the world. Even though we don't have the biggest population, we sure like to buy stuff and eat stuff and, and do that. And the irony of that is, is that we don't make the top 10 of the happiest countries to live in. So it really tells us oh, more is not make you happy, it's just more. And, and, and what we find is that we can get ourselves in, like, getting a little more, having a little more, really doesn't bring the satisfaction. And I was thinking about this, and this is my theory with it, is we have so many choices of the more that we don't even know what to do. How many this week would say, and it's okay if you're, you know, because you, I, 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 my wife and I can admit this as well, is like we have different streaming apps of shows to watch or movies to watch, and you're scrolling through or clicking through, and has anybody said this, you know, of the thousands of choices, you go, there's nothing to watch. 
You, you go the aisle and, and you go to the grocery store which you're told not to go when you're hungry, but you do it anyway. And there's literally hundreds of choices, dozens of preset meals that you literally can just take up and put in your microwave and eat it. And you're going, there's nothing to eat. Now, you can open up your closet. Some of you are, you know, you're fancy enough. You walk in. You have a walk-in closet. And you look around, and, and I'm not pointing any genders anyway. You go, I've got nothing to wear. How can that be? And yet, there's a dissatisfaction in our lives, isn't there? Not quite what we were hoping for. So what do you do with the living in a, a plethora of choices in the culture that we have? Well, you began to rank them. And you began to rate and review and what others post. In fact, it's the number one thing if people are trying to find out where to go to church is they will go to Google, okay? Can you do us all a favor? You, see, you hear it every week. Could you, if you like this church, could you rate it and review it? Because that helps. I'm not saying those don't matter. I, I think it does help for people. They, they, they drive by this old building like, what goes on in there? Well, you know, the, the Google will tell you, okay? I, you know, so if you want to, you can do that. It's, it's legit. But I, we've done the same thing. that We've looked and going, where are we going to eat? What are we going to buy? We go to, those, we go to those reviews. I remember several years ago when... When those are getting really popular, Yelp and you know TripAdvisor or anything, and, and my, my buddy Eric, who was associate here several years ago, pastor, we went on a trip to Dallas, and we were checking out, and the person in the, at the counter, you know, at the, the desk said, how was your stay? And I said, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Oh, it was just good. That was, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, she's kind of fishing. Like, I said, I think the rooms could have been a little cleaner. She goes, oh, really? Well, how could we clean them? I mean, what was really wrong with your room? I said, well, I mean, you know, the walls were kind of, she goes, oh, what about the walls? What was on? I said, well, there was some things on the walls. And she goes, well, what do you mean? By, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, get it. I said, there just was things that shouldn't be on the walls. And he's like, well, what is it on the... There was some boogers on the wall. Like, I, I, I didn't know what to say, but that was what was there. She, she wanted to know, right? Kind of gross. We're all grossed out. You ask. And I, I said, no, that's fine on the way out. I will, don't worry, I'll be leaving a review. And then she's like, holy cow, she was so upset. You know, like, I, I mean, don't leave a review of that. I'm like, well, people kind of need to know that there's boogers on the walls in your place. There's a place of accountability. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what we do in our life is we, we're trying to find satisfaction, right? You know, the, the Rolling Stones saying it for us. We can't get no satisfaction. We're looking for that all the time. We're trying to find that in our lives. And, it, and it's, it's this part of life. And, and so there, there is this deep down satisfaction that our souls, and so here's our question is, what does your soul so desire today? What is it that you really want in your life? Is it pleasure? Is it power? Is it purpose? Is it finding value? Is it just, do you want to just matter to someone? Because whatever it is, you know, whatever that is, that deep down, as Gatorade says, that deep down body thirst, where is that and what is that and who is that that's there? Because whatever that is you're looking in this world, it's going to be fillers. 
because it all deals with, as we talked in week one, the unfinished issues of our heart. And we know, and you know, you know, we each know, and maybe personally you know, or others you know, that when we, we're, we're trying to fill that in, it, in, in such a way, to a degree, it never satisfies. And so what happens, we think more is better, and that then, then leads to addiction. And then, and pretty soon, you're depending on this or that someone else, and you're, and there, there's this unmet satisfaction. And we, we find ourselves in this place of keeping, searching, and looking for it. It's interesting, Scripture addresses this. There, there's, a, there's a verse in 1 John that I want to read for us. If, if, if this doesn't sum up maybe where we are in the world, or maybe where you're at in your heart and what you're going through, in 1 John Two, it's, it, this is what it says. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. They're from, well, they're not from the Father, but are from the world, and this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone, Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Isn't that a powerful scripture? What it, what it, it, it's a sober reminder of what we don't have, that we keep going after, and yet it offers to us what we really can have that actually will bring deep fulfillment in our lives. And see, Jesus knew that. Jesus coming to this earth knew that, and he, he would gather with his people. He would gather with the small and the large. In fact, there was one occasion where it's called the greatest sermon ever preached, which is the Sermon on the Mount. It's a long message. You can read it in different parts of the Gospels. But you find in Matthew 5 through 7, it's the, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus gives what you would call preambles to this sermon called the Beatitudes. If you've heard that term before, Beatitudes means this, supremely blessed. And he makes this statement, and one of the Beatitudes is this. You probably know it pretty well. It's this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're going to talk about righteousness here in a moment. There's a feeling. There's something that you're going to experience. And here, here's, here's our, our thought for today. Our soul can only be satisfied for the one who saved it. Our soul can only truly be satisfied the one who saved it. And the one that proclaimed, this is the one that did that. Jesus himself says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they be filled. Well, when Jesus talked about righteousness, he was talking about something then and, and not yet. Now and not yet. Something that we can't experience now, but will be fulfilled uh, his kingdom. So his kingdom was established on this earth. It began this rule and reign, but fully will experiencing it one day. But what Jesus offered at that moment to us even today is this, to, to be right is to have a right heart. See, I really believe if you kind of break it down as this, since the Lord's saying this, listen, he's saying, turn to me. I want to meet the most intricate parts of your soul by pursuing a right life with me that you can find true and lasting satisfaction. That that's where it is. And he says, this is done through a righteous life. 
But how many know you cannot have a righteous life without Christ and what he's done? And see, my understanding is I study the word righteous, it means this, right standing in relationship with another. And that right standing is through a relationship with him. The word rightness or right wise, straight away, this is where people try to go, I've got I've to act and live and go the right path to do. And so what we do is we continue to try to do that. But the challenge with living rightly is if we do it in our own power and our own strength, that becomes self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is tied to religion. And we've learned as followers, and if you've been around a little bit, you get it, 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 no one can live up to that. Whatever the standard is that Jesus put, you and I can't live up to it. We, we thought, some people thought we did until Jesus came. Because they, they, they had this Old Testament and all the rules and all that. I mean, they had the 10, and then it turned into 660 rules of all the commands. Like, what if we could do them all? What if we got all six, 666 of them? And he's like, he, he's, he, he's like, you know, those are great. Those are really good. You know, you shouldn't do those things, but if you think those things, that's still sin. So Jesus would always up the ante. It's not just what you do, it's even now what you think you think you might do. It's like, well, no one can live up to that. And Jesus goes, that's the point. I am the one. I am the one that's going to make righteous through a relationship with me. To help us in this process of pursuing righteousness, he's saying, I want to give you, in, in pursuing my righteousness, I want to bring fulfillment in your life. I like how it says in, in the message, it says, you're blessed when you, are, when you work up a good appetite for God. He is, he's, his food and drink is the best meal you could ever eat. That's what he offers for us. So I want to talk to you just a couple ways of how we can find that fulfillment, how we can experience through a righteous life of Christ that we can actually find our hunger and thirst, truly can find, we can find soul satisfaction. So, so a couple thoughts of this. One is this. If, if we're seeking what, what truly satisfies our souls is this. Only he is the bread of life can fill our hungry hearts. Only he, only he can do that. The one who is the bread of life can fill our hungry heart hearts. So listen, there's nothing better. I, I love, I'm just, a, I'm a bread guy. I love bread. How, how many of us love fresh smelling bread? There's nothing better out there. Like I think they should vent, and maybe there is a candle that smells like fresh bread. Right? That just saves, you know, and you just open up your loaf of bread from the store and you're smelling fresh bread. I don't know. But nothing's better. You can't, you, you can't fake it though. It has to be baked. And, and if you break bread or your mom break bread and, 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 you know, you open the windows and, you know, it's just, it draws people. Fresh bread draws people in. You know, you're in the neighborhood. Maybe as a kid, you're riding your bike or, you know, you're out playing and everything. All of a sudden, I smell fresh bread. And all of a sudden, there's a rush to the kitchen and, and, and you're like, mom's like, don't touch it. You know, it needs to cool. Like, I want some bread and we want some baked goods. It just draws toward, draws toward home. And I, I and if you're gluten-free, sorry to bring all that up, okay? I just, so that's, but here's the interesting thing about bread. The word bread in, in Scripture really isn't about the bread itself. It's, it's really the word, it really is symbolic of substance, of life, health, nourishment, prosperity. And I tell you, the, like bread, the fresher, the better. And it's so true today, but it's so true in the ancient world. 
where we go back to bread, as some of you know the origin of this, is all the way back to Moses with the people heading to the promised land. God, God says to Moses, you're going to lead the people out, and they cross through the Red Sea, and they're heading to the desert. Well, the challenge with that is, how are they going to live, which they didn't know it was going to be 40 years, a whole generation would go by, how are they going to make it? And so they grumble and they complain to Moses as they continue to do How are we going to live? How are we going to provide it? And then God comes along and says, I'm going to give you quail, which is meat, but I'm also going to give you bread. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some bread. And they're like, great, what's the bread? Well, what you're going to do, you're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to open your tent flap, and you're going to come out, and there's going to be bread provided for you. Well, they open the tent flap, they look out there, and there's like this wafer kind of substance all over in the grass and on the ground. And they go, they pick it up, and they go, what's this? The name is manna. Manna means, what's this? <laughs> and they collected the manna for decades as they're traveling through the wilderness. Like each day... But there was something that was important. In fact, in Exodus 16, he, he gave this promise. He says this, The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And then he gave instructions. If you go out and collect it and then keep it and then keep it overnight, it's going to mold. In fact, that's what would happen. The Bible talks about it would turn to maggots. Where they're like, that didn't last. And God's saying, I don't want it to last. I want you to go out every day, each day, and collect the manna for that day. Why did he do this? Well, he says this in the end of verse 4. He says, in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. It was a test. What was the test? The test was trust, to trust him daily and continually. That's really the challenge for all of us. Are we testing God, trust, or trusting in God in that test he brings before us daily and continually? And I think there's this tendency for us, and for them was like, wow, that's a lot of bread. Let's collect it all. Let's hoard it all. Let's store it all up. And then we'll just have something for the next day. And then we don't need to go out and get it every day. It's smart, right? Not with God. God's saying, no, no, no. I want you to get it. I want you to get it fresh every single day if you hang on to it. Now, you can read how they hung on the Sabbath day and it, it stayed over after the sixth day. They could keep that, so there's that part. But the every day was the, was the thing. What was he saying? I want to provide for you every day. Why? Because I want a relationship with you. I want you to trust me. I want you to rely upon me every day. Not just some days, not just Sunday, but every single day. And I think our human nature is, when we go with God especially, is this, we get what we need and we have a surplus and we have an abundance, we go, we're good. Let's just be honest with you. If you had a really, really good week, I mean, you might have a really, really good week, you might have prayed less, right? I'm just saying, you might have prayed less. I'm not throwing that at you. I've done the same thing. Life's good. We're coasting along. Everything's fine. And then things go sideways. We're like, God, where are you? What happened? And God's saying, yeah, you can, re you can reach out to me when you're in need. I get it. I get it. I understand that. But what if, you, what if we could have a daily relationship? That's what the manna was all about. 
wanted this close relationship. And it's interesting, when they got through the 40 years, and then they were able to, because, I mean, they weren't able to raise cattle and plant crops, but when they moved into the promised land, they settled in. And when you settle in, they, they start growing their own stuff and raise their own cattle. And pretty soon, that comfortability turned to idolatry. And they began to go after other gods and created gods from themselves and the neighboring nations. What happened is they stopped following God and became consumer of goods. They just, that, that happened over and over for them. They created with them. Here they're in, this is a crazy thing. They're in their, they're living in abundance. And in their abundance, what happened? They had discontentment. Think about that. They had everything they needed and they didn't really have a whole lot. And so they started making like, oh, God's great, God's good. But you know what? How about over here we do something different? How about over here we pursue something different? And I don't know if anybody's going in your backyard and making wood idols and creating them or everything like that, but you know there's a lot of American idols. There's a lot of things of status and wealth and everything, and people pursue. They're going, I'm more, my, that's more of my God than I have to admit. We do that so much and so we see this so much in our lives we're just ultimately not satisfied our our media drenched culture manipulates exaggerates embellishes what is not necessarily real but it's it's almost super real for us it's surreal and the result is this increase in, in intense discontentment that we get bored really easy of just the normal so the discontentment happens where, we're, where, where we go and, and we live in this constant state sometimes where we go, I will be happy when. I will be happy when I get that new car or I get that new job or I get that promotion or I move here or I marry this person. When we have kids or when we're going to have grandkids or when we retire, we'll be happy. Some of you are retired and you're going, I'm not happy. <laughs> I thought I would be happy. What was going on? When you start finding and lacking purpose in your life, you start relying on the 401k or over here and whatever, you're going, oh, now, wait a second. It isn't just about that at all. I mean, no, you know, that, that there is a substance for our soul that God proclaims and gives. And that's why Jesus came. In fact, it's interesting in these words in John chapter 6, happened right after a massive miracle that takes place. We just talked about it last week. We commented a little bit about the feeding of the 5,000, the five loaves and two fish, and it was just enough to provide and everything. And, and he, here he is. He filled their bellies. Jesus filled all these people, and all of a sudden they're going, is there more? Is there more there? And, and, and so you look at this, and so Jesus exposes their motives, why he's falling. He says this in John 6, 26 he says very truly i tell you you're looking for me not because you saw the signs i performed because you ate the loaves and had your fill i think when we think about this is that he's almost saying like you're following me me because you're convinced not because you're convinced of who i am but you're coming to me because of what you need not what i who am i and i think jesus exposes theirs and does expose the consumerism because he says this next he says do not work for food that spoils but that food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you what is he saying that he is enough in fact it's even more than he's enough he is just enough just enough why 
just enough that we find what he gives us, but we have to rely on him for the next and for the next and for the next. Jesus provided manna daily, or God provided manna daily. Jesus comes and says, guess what? I am the bread of life for you every single day. Jesus is just enough. What does that really mean? Well, that's what the people asked. What does that really mean? They go, they go, they go, they ask this question. What must we do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, is to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to get involved? How do we conjure up? What do we need to get going? What are, he's like, no, no. He goes, uh, just believe, believe. Well, that, just, that seems kind of pie in the sky. Just, just believe? Oh, no, there's an active faith here. There's, a, there's an active dependence on him. Believe in the one sent. It means just like the people that journeying the promised land, the, the, the man of daily was coming to them. They, 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 they were lying. Now they needed on Jesus the spiritual bread when they needed him at the moment they needed him. You know, what does this mean for us is that life has shelf life. What you own has shelf life. Listen, you, you, could, you could be so enthralled in a, a wonderful, hottest novel that came out. And then, you know, a few years later, you sell it in the yard sale for 50 cents, right? Some of you got in the latest crazies, done, done this before, where you, you bought this uh, exercise equipment for, for, for $59.99, six easy payments of $59.99. It is the most expensive clothes rack you've ever owned, right? You, you've traveled, you've done, you ate at this restaurant because it was 4.9 on the rating, you know, on Yelp. You know, like, I don't know 4.9. At some point, it wasn't enough. Listen, nothing wrong with exercising, nothing wrong with reading good books, nothing wrong with traveling and eating good food, but you know it won't last. It never does. Food, Jesus says, that perishes will not ultimately satisfy. So what he says of the fresh bread and never stales, hear himself, he declared this. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me, he says, will never be thirsty. The bread of life is his word. His word that he gives us each and every day. It is for us to feast upon every single day. If you're looking for how do I do that every day, there's literally an app called Our Daily Bread that my wife and I use a lot. It's great. If you need, it's the Bible. It's the Word of God that we feed on every single day to meet the deep hunger that's in our hearts and also to help us with our thirst that we have. In fact, if you're seeking what truly satisfies our souls, it's, it's the bread of life of Jesus, but also is this. It's only in the living water of his spirit can quench your thirsty soul. It's only the living water of his spirit that can quench your thirsty soul. We love a cold drink on a hot day. There's nothing more than what Jesus offers when he says this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow 
from within him. Streams. Talk about overflow. It never stops. It keeps flowing. It's, there's, it never runs out. I can't think of a better example of this in this moment that Jesus has with a woman at a well. He's tired. He's thirsty. The disciples go off. They're looking for food, Well, which he talks about later, food that food that you, you looking for food I, I'm the bread of life but before that he he tells he interacts with this woman and this woman it's just this contrast you you, you know this is the, the, the if you know you study scripture you kind of remember this a little bit where here's Jesus the religious rabbi perfect person ever to walk the earth and there's this woman so he's a man he's a rabbi he's religious and she is not Jewish she's not a man and she's not living a righteous life at all she come to find out you know she's had five husbands and the husband she with the guy she's with is she's living with is not her husband so this contrast is there and they're, they're, they're but they had a commonality and it was thirst and this life-altering moment that Jesus offers the living water to satisfy her soul this is what he says to these words he says if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This, this comment sparks this woman. Listening in curiosity, she goes, where can you get this living water? That sounds really good. Where do I get it? And here she is staring at the one, where he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The living water in Scripture describes the Spirit of God bubbling up in a person's soul that never runs dry, a ever-flowing of the wells of your life. Let me just ask you, where's your wells right now? Where is your water source? Where is the watering hole of your soul? Right? Some of you would kind of go, well, I think it's the beach bar on Friday night. Okay, I understand, all right? There's those watering holes that are there. Where, where do you go spiritually, though, for you to deal with the, the thirst of your soul? Where is the well, wells? Well, we, we kind of turn to the wealths of those things. We turn to the wealth of knowledge. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's fitness. Maybe it's recreation. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's just some form of consumption. All of those in themselves within the boundaries of what God has are not bad. But even as good as they are and they provide for us, they are not enough. You know that because all those things you need to return to, and that's just part of life. Nothing against those things. But if those are the things that you think are going to fill your well... It, it is, it's going to leave you with lacking because nothing substitutes what the Holy Spirit can do. Paul says this in Ephesians 5. He says, Do not become drunk with wine because they will ruin your, it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word there, that verb, it says be filled is an ongoing Experience. It means this is maybe you had a Holy Spirit experience at summer camp and you're 16. That's wonderful. But that's long time ago for some of us. And it also is that if you had a mountain high experience on a hike last week, it's last week. Today is the day ongoing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's available for every single person to drink 
from that well that he's given us. You know, today is a special day. In the church, it's recognized as Pentecost Sunday. Penta means 50, and in the Judaism, it's 50, the Sunday of, um, the next Sunday after Passover, 50 days, which, which lands today. That's a special time. And what the Jewish people would celebrate was actually harvest. They'd actually, so the, the very thing in the Old Testament the, of the substance of God, when they go, what is this? They're celebrating the substance of God. There's a feast of, of harvest that, that they're experiencing, and then they celebrate that, that all that God provided for them. Isn't that interesting? Well, as followers of Christ, we also remember Pentecost Sunday as a very special day called the Day of Pentecost. When in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, and, and basically the Spirit came down to the believers for everyone and filled everyone that day. But that filling, as Peter proclaimed in the end of Acts 2, was not just for them, but for their children's children and children, which are us. So isn't that a beautiful picture of the, the Pentecost Sunday? Not only the bread of life that God provides and, and through the, what it was expressed in tradition, and now the drinking of the Holy Spirit coming together, that we can be, our, we can be satisfied that it's offered to us. So as we go in and we're moving here in a time of communion, are you hungry and thirsty for more of God? Are, did you come in with that, that thing? Because here's what we do sometimes, and myself included, I look for other things to mask it. I look for other things to fill my soul and to quench my thirst. They're not there. They're cheap, you know, junk food substitutes that really, truly won't do it. And here's the thing. None of us can conjure up or cook up or make anything that really will help us experience the righteousness of God and then receiving the filling. Only one can do that. And the, he already did it. The very quenching of your thirst and your hunger for your soul is the one who saved it. Jesus himself. And it's only through the cross. I'm going to invite our team to just get ready here in a moment. Some trays are going to be passed for you to receive communion today. If you're online, I encourage you right now, just have something available. So here in a moment, we're going to ask you to pass. We're, I'll have them come forward here in a moment. But as they're getting ready to do that, let me just read just a couple more scriptures to you to remind you of this, what this really means. That the hunger and thirst in our lives is, is nothing that we can work on. There's nothing about being right with God or walking the line or trying to live up. Nothing can do that. But I love what Romans expresses. It says this, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus to all who believe. Righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus to all who believe. Remember, Jesus says, it's, my, it's believing on me. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know, I don't know if it's still advertised today. You know, fast food restaurants used to advertise the full meal deal. We get the full meal deal. We get, we get the bread of life and we get... We get the Spirit of God together. That brings us to a place of communion. Because of the finished work, Jesus says, I have food to eat you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of sent me and to finish that work. And he finished that work for us that we can receive him 
today. Bread of life and, and the Spirit of God coming in and filling us and quenching our thirsty souls and providing for us in everything, in every way, just what we need to do that. I invite our team to come now as you, you receive. If you could hold them and then we're gonna we're gonna eat and drink together. Let's